I want us to become brothers again like we used to be, and for us to find ourselves and bond with each other. Can we agree to that? Opinions vary. Welcome to Three Brothers Filmcast, a monthly roundtable podcast where the brothers behind threebrothersfilm.com have substantial, nuanced conversations about film. I'm Anton Bergstrom, and I'm here with my brothers, Anders and Aaron. My last name is the same as my brother's. And this month, we're asking the question, is Jordan Peele the new M. Night Shyamalan? As we discuss and compare Peele's UFO thriller, Nope, which came out mid-July, and Shyamalan's 2002 alien invasion thriller, Signs. But before we get started, thank you for listening to this podcast and for reading our website. If you haven't yet left us a rating or review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get this podcast, please do so. I think on Apple we have around nine five-star reviews currently. It would be great if we could get past 10 ratings after this episode. So please do that right now and help new listeners find us. And now, on to the show. Okay, ramblers, let's get rambling. What's a bad miracle? They got work for that. Jordan Peele is now widely regarded as a modern master filmmaker. Yet prior to his breakout hit, 2017's Get Out, Peele was best known as one member of the sketch comedy duo Key and Peele. While 2019's Us left audiences a little less satisfied and more perplexed, Us still raked in massive box office receipts for an R-rated horror thriller. With Nope, Peele retains the cryptically brief title, but shifts gears somewhat, pivoting from social horror to science fiction terror and spectacle. Like a film by Christopher Nolan or Quentin Tarantino, Nope was marketed with heavy prominence given to Jordan Peele's name, which is fast becoming a reliable cinematic brand. This raises the question of how we might define Peele's specific filmmaking talent. Is he a master of horror? Of suspense? Of social criticism? Of strange tales? Of misdirection? The very title of his latest film, that negative exclamation, Nope, could be said to define his relationship to the viewer's expectations in this film. You think you know what this movie is about? Nope. But Nope can also be an expression of shock or disgust, emotions that are at the heart of horror. The film opens with an arresting biblical verse from the minor prophet Nahum, chapter 3, verse 6. I will cast abominable filth upon you, make you vile, and make you a spectacle. Who's the eye in Peele's film? The monster or the human characters? The filmmaker or the audience? In many ways, the monster in this movie replies to the eye in the verse. Nope, I won't be your spectacle. The spectacle and the exploitation of it is also at the heart of this strange summer movie. For Nope is also very much a summer movie in the vein, for example, of Steven Spielberg's Close Encounters of the Third Kind. It tells us a gripping story about encountering something strange, and that strange thing becomes the visual spectacle that the film focuses on. Nope is also a movie about cinema, not only through references to many summer movies, but especially cinema's long history of being drawn to spectacle, and its involvement in the exploitation of things captured on camera, whether different peoples, animals, or special effects, to sustain the wonder that cinematic audiences demand. A.O. Scott, writing in the New York Times, makes an excellent comparison between Peele and cinema's master of spectacle, Steven Spielberg. Scott writes, quote, 
While this movie can fairly be described as Spielbergian, it turns on an emphatic and explicit debunking of Spielberg's most characteristic visual trope, the awestruck upward gaze. Indeed, the film's plot hinges on the need to not look up, to stop watching. Here's another film that could also have been called Don't Look Up. Lastingly, fitting with the negative title, the film is just as provocative and interesting for what it is as for what it is not. For instance, it is not a conventional UFO movie. If you haven't seen the movie yet, I won't spoil the nature of the UFO until our actual discussion, but we will have to spoil it since there's no other way to dissect the film. Again, this is a film that operates on misdirection. Now we'll turn to you, Anders and Aaron. Is Nope a film that is more satisfying to think about and analyze than it is to actually watch? I mean, I found the movie quite engaging. Peel is certainly one of the most capable current directors of suspense. But I'm not sure it's many different pieces entirely come together. I also wasn't entirely convinced that the nature of the UFO is uh, believable. I mean, it, it worked for me like an episode of The Twilight Zone works. Huh, that's weird. But I'm not sure I was actually, uh, I actually bought it. At the same time, is Gordy's home actually tied to the main plot of the film? Why go from sitcom exploitation to sci-fi monster movie exploitation? So Aaron, to gather this all together, do Peel's ambitions in Nope perhaps exceed his grasp, as I thought they did in Us? Um, so to answer that last question, the direct one about his ambitions, and I, I think the answer is yes. It's, it's very similar to Us, I think, in both its, its success and the amount of fun that I had with the movie in the moment, and then the kind of not being sure it all holds together, even mm. if it's extremely intriguing and it has a lot of ideas packed in there. Now, um, unlike us, I wasn't turned off by some kind of uh, the, the films like what I thought it would be like an overstated critique or a, a satirical bent that doesn't quite work. Like the ending of us, the whole kind of allegorical aspect that pulls into kind of social commentary. I don't think it makes any sense because it actually is too literalized. Like yeah, it's yeah. plain for allegory, but then it also doesn't really make any sense within the world of that movie, but it has to make perfect sense for the allegory to work. You know, you, you know like it falls apart there in terms of yeah. that kind of logic. Um, I don't think Nope's going for anything to that level, but to go to your like the first question you asked like at the right before um handing it off here you were like is it more fun to think about than watch yeah. i actually think yeah. it's the other way i think it's a lot more fun to watch than to think about because when you start thinking about it it starts all the pieces don't quite add up but i i had a blast watching nope like i went to see it in imax i made sure to go at the last night it was playing on the imax just because i knew that he'd filmed it in IMAX with the cameras with Hoyta yeah. Van Hoytema as yeah. the cinematographer, Nolan's kind of regular cinematographer working with him. And, you know, the whole last 30 minutes of the movie is essentially the full frame, floor to ceiling. And one of the things that Peel has gotten really good at, and I, I think it's a progression from Get Out to Us to this movie now, is his control of like formal filmmaking and and being able to craft a really compelling frame and playing with visual pacing and 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 bringing the suspense aspects that were into his concepts and his dialogue and get out but really bringing it out in the filmmaking so he's at a point where he can where he can really command say like an imax camera oh yeah, yeah. i think yeah. he's at that point where i'm, I'm confident like i yeah, i wouldn't put him on you know a nolan or a tarantino or a villeneuve level yet of what he can do with a camera but he's very confident with it and i think his mm -hmm, um ability mm -hmm. to craft a specific scene of spectacle is very impressive so which which i will get into a little bit later but i want to let anders jump in here but like i think it's most interesting that it's almost the movie is like peels um 
confession that he can't help himself but play huh. the spectacle and exploit it. And yeah, which yeah. is something that is inherent in horror cinema in general. Mill, let's keep, let's keep that thought in mind. I'm I'm curious. So, Aaron, just to 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 clarify, you were like watching it. You were engaged fully, and it's more thinking about it afterwards. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think then, in the moment, I thought it was, I thought it was a blast, and then yeah. I'm like, is it great or did I just have a great time? I feel like when I was watching it, there's a few moments, like it was part of some of the twists and turns. I don't know if I was fully on board with, and then some of it, like I was very gripped and very involved in the suspense. So, Anders, like, where do you stand on that sort of, and as well as the overall grasp of the film? I might like the film uh, a bit more than either of you. I love watching it. I would agree with everything you said about the that visually Peel has like moved massive steps forward. Like this film looked fantastic. It's like maybe one of the best looking films of the year. Um, the cinematography from Hoyt Van Hoytema is also like fantastic. Mm-hmm. There's some yeah. shots like uh, there's a there's a shot of the house just covered in like blood <laughs> that is <laughs> and the large scale compositions. A lot of contemporary horror tends to go for the close-up and the claustrophobia and the the you know put in the camera right in people's faces this is patient it, it because it's a sort of a western also it plays with those vistas you yep. know in the images of the house and yet it still makes you feel like kind of trapped at times too which is i really really appreciate so the, again command of visual style of i thought pacing was really interesting i was never bored at all watching it i was like I was really curious how I was going to tie it all together. And maybe since we saw it in theaters? I don't know if it's... um, This is how I would answer the question is, do uh, Peel's ambitions exceed his grasp? I'm not sure what the ambitions are. Maybe that's more Hmm. the issue. So I'm not as bothered by it in the sense that... You know, one thing that I think we may have, I think, mentioned when we were talking earlier before uh, recording is that we were... I think we all mentioned that we were kind of glad that he didn't do another film that had any like direct social allegory or critique i mean there's obviously yeah, as the crit- dominant aspect right as the dominant there's obviously there he you know there's some really interesting aspects about say the relationship of african-americans in hollywood yeah. and animal into film history and then animal uh issues right about how you would do that but it's not as overwhelming or the the only thing that you can take away from the film and so I kind of appreciate that he's going bigger. He's not just trying to go, uh-huh, see, you get it. He He's actually allowing us to... It has those comments. It has those those aspects, but it's it's something even bigger, something maybe even, if I can say, more transcendent than the contemporary moment in a, in a weird way. Yet, I, I know what you mean, and maybe this is something we can circle back to at the end when we talk about signs, because there's a similarity also there where it's like, if you're trying to really figure it out, as you said, Anton, the nature of the UFO, you're like, huh, I'm not sure I quite get it, even. We can theorize about yeah. how it works and things like that. Um, but it works for me. It yeah. definitely one of the, the more uh, enjoyable films of the year for me. So I'm curious also, like, where do you guys place this in terms of uh, against his other works? Like, so Aaron, you sort of mentioned that you thought it was more satisfying overall than us. I assume... I think Get Get Out is overall like his strongest film by far, but I don't know by far. I I think uh. I probably I probably like Get Out. I think I like I mean, Get Out. It's not by yeah. far. Like I'm not yeah. when I say by far, I'm not saying that I think Us and Nope are like bad. Right. It's more that I think Get Out is like 
extremely tight and works exactly it's the in tightness terms of the right themes, it works in terms of the the suspense but and horror but it's also a little bit less ambitious in certain things yep. yeah right? but that's yeah. it's a classic it's a first debut, movie right yeah. so yeah. it's that it's a little bit more modest in terms of ambition and craft but it's such of a, like it's so of a piece and it's such a distinct voice and the message is completely like the all the different aspects of it are firing at this on the same right yeah on the same cylinders yeah. and so, so i would rank them get out nope us um I probably should rewatch us because I'm not sure I really get it even. Yeah, I I, I need to revisit Get Out um, because I it's very fond in my memory, but that movie is also tied to um, it's tied to its moment a lot and this idea of excitement and discovery of of Peel in a different mode because mm. you, you know I'm a huge Keen Peel fan. It's like one of my favorite TV shows, but and I even enjoyed him like on Mad TV back in the day too. But <laughs> the th- and you you get his uh, his affection and understanding for genre and specifically horror within his Key and Peele sketches, which are really specific to like the style and the structure of, of things. And totally. and horror and comedy work very similarly because pacing is extremely extremely important in both of them. And their genres that play on emotion. Yeah, exactly. You have to actually kind of turn off the logic thing a bit there. But what I'm just gonna say is that so Get Out was that excitement, that discovery, right? I don't know if Get Out would play as well now, also because in a theater like. The entire audience, it was a packed house and everybody was completely like every single moment was just hanging on it and laughing when you're supposed to laugh and jumping when you're supposed to jump. It was so unforeseen, both in terms of because Peel had made the movie, but also just like its whole approach to like combining that that social critique with horror the way it, the way it did that. It was such a big hit. Yeah. <laughs> like kind of But I mean, nowhere. but interestingly <laughs> it in like us almost have the exact same they almost have the exact same international like total box office together yeah. like 255 million worldwide. The weird thing about us is like right now probably nope for me is probably the lowest. And when I was watching us I was a little bit let down at the time, but it's like uh, there's the movie uh, 2009, The Box, directed by um, <laughs> Richard Kelly of Donnie Darko fame. It was, again, one of these movies where it's like a follow-up that was supposed to be really, like, very anticipated. Um, I remember watching that and being bewildered by it and kind of disappointed, but it's, like, lingered in the back of my mind. And I feel like as much as I, like, wasn't entirely satisfied with us, it's kind of, like, lingered in my mind, and I, I feel like I'm due a revisit perhaps nope will be like that more and i feel like the more we're talking about it i do like what he's trying to accomplish i don't know if he fully succeeds the other question i have for you guys based on some of your comments right here is just like what kind of a film is this because you both seem to be categorizing this as a third work of horror and i'm wondering if this is is a horror movie and I, I'm a little bit torn because he's definitely doing, he's bringing in elements of different genres. Anders, you mentioned the Western, right? Like, which is obviously a big, a big part of this. Um, I mentioned in my keynote, right, the, the science fiction aspect, uh, Close Encounters, other sort of Spielberg summer movies. And you mentioned like, you know, right, he has this wider scope. You get the vistas of the valley, but at the same time, there's a feeling of claustrophobia. And it, it, what you will notice is that in spite of it being a valley and we get these wide vistas, we only stay in the one valley, right? We only see the same hills. Um, occasionally, right, we go out to like that, mm-hmm. what was you... like, like the Best Buy type place. Yep. <laughs> and they, but like even the clouds then that hang over, which again are sort of like a feature of, you know, Westerns, like the sky, but then the sky becomes oppressive because the cloud becomes fixed and that's something we focus oh, on. Oh, man. So it's... A, it, I just thought of like, so there's a the point in the movie when they talk about like one of the ways they identify the UFO is the cloud that doesn't move. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I'm like, is that also, it's like a commentary on old like movies that had like fake backdrops and it's like the clouds don't move. They're like, yes. oh. like there's so many little details in this yeah, film like yeah. that that just are so satisfied. But one of the interesting things, this film, its scope is broader in the sense that it doesn't just stay with its main characters, right? You get like, what's his name? Ricky Jupe uh, Park, right? Like, and yeah. his whole... We get a lot Stephen of... Yuen, Stephen Yuen's character. Who I, I, I really like that. And to me, a lot of the horror, most hor- the most horrifying scenes in the movie are these... The, sl- the the flat the, from the very opening scene on the set of this uh, 80s, 90s sitcom Gordy's Home. Yeah, when, <laughs> yeah it's, and, the 90s, and, it's the nineties. Yeah. It's not really a spoiler because you, you, if if you watch the movie, you'll figure this out within the first five minutes. Um, it's about a, it's a sitcom with a chimpanzee, and the chimpanzee has gone nuts on set and is murdering people and ripping. Yeah. and it's horrifying. <laughs> it's like because it's a, it's a brilliant you, and terrifying yeah, opening. It with, is with the chimp walking around. Yeah. And, of course, I said it to Icelandic time because we share a love of the Aurora Borealis, Gordy. Hey, Gordy! <gasps> Surprise! Wow! <laughs> oh, <beautiful>. and when beautiful! And when you return to that scene later, uh, when you finally get Ricky's, you know, you realize that you're getting Ricky's point of view from the set, and it's just... Like to me, those are the most horrifying moments, right? Yeah. And and then they compare against the uh, the UFO, the alien, which is, I mean, here's maybe here's where I'll spoil it too. Okay, so if you don't want to know now, this is your last chance. Back out, get out. <laughs> the UFO yeah, out. is an animal. <laughs> it is not a ship. It is some sort of interdimensional creature. But it. But this things. is the great part, right? It's still a UFO. Yes, exactly. It's still an unidentified flying, flying object, object. But he's misdirection because we always assume that means it's going to be an a object inside. piloted. But it, the ship itself is the creature. And it eats people. Yeah. The yeah, object horses. is a creature. The flying <laughs> yeah. object is a creature. And it's obviously some sort of interdimensional being, right? Like it uh, seems it, to be. It, it seems to contain. Potentially of a. Of sort of like biblical angels. Yeah, like because this. actually the imagery at the end with like the the yeah. way it oh, opens yeah. up is very Ezekiel, right? Like it's very like um, in that wheels way. Wheels wheels. Yeah. And the flapping like kind of like wings and stuff like that. It's almost angelic, yeah. It is. It is and, actually and almost, it's almost Peel, beautiful I, in its own way too. Oh, yeah. And I read that Peel cited, like um, he cited uh, one of these anime shows, is that Evangelion? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, it, it looks like an influence Ava, on the show. Or uh, it looks like an angel. Yes, from it looks like the angel. Evangelion. Yes. Yeah, so I, I kind of, I mean, I'm literally wearing an Evan I mean, shirt right now. Oh, are you? <laughs> they do this plane? <laughs> they do kill the alien with the Lance of Longinus from the moon, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> but so is this, um, like, is this a horror movie then, in your view? Because of the, because of, say, the Gordy's Home stuff, things like that? I, th- I think it, I think it, it is. I think it crosses a lot of different genres, but I think it's like, Almost like an animal horror film combined with a. Um, it also has aspects. The other here's the other film I'll compare it to weirdly that I had a similar experience to watching it. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Maybe it's the Spawn Ranch. Maybe it's yeah, the, the yeah. movie. No, sets, actually, yeah, these yeah. different the characters, hang, the dustiness, the hanging out in Hollywood, people on the fringes of the iconography tel- of television, and you know, obviously it's you know in the nineties, but also the connection to movie history with, uh, you know, their their great great great-grandfather i forget what he, she corrects them next to green yeah, yeah. Uh, I, th- I think it, it it fires on a lot of those levels so to me you know whether you feel in the end no ties to 
together really neatly. I don't think it does, but I think there's so much there that I, I can't wait to watch it again. Yeah. So I want to clarify something. When I say that it doesn't quite like thinking after the fact, it doesn't quite come together in my mind in the sense that I can't, I can't um, sort it all out in a way where I think that he's making some kind of profound statement beyond the experience of watching the movie but that's it's not in a way similar to us where i think it kind of falls apart it's more of like i just don't know whether it's there or not or whether the movie's simply like a fun scary spectacle yeah and i and i want to re-watch it so like that's the thing that my yeah. my my desire is to revisit the movie to see if i can puzzle it through not me being disappointed with it it's actually more of just like i don't know if it's better than i thought or like yeah. if it just is what i you know saw um, but with the, the, the horror question, I think it's unquestionably a horror movie for two reasons. And one okay. of it is your whole thing, Anton, with misdirection, right? The movie's all about misdirection, the whole title and the way it sets up. Um, it, it's not a Western, it's not a sci-fi movie, but it's tapping into the extreme iconography of those two things because they're very important for America and very important for cinema and American cinema, right? And the idea of the summer movie, it's throughout depending on what period of history you're in it's either the western or the sci-fi right like that's the dominant genre it's it's a horror movie because it's a monster movie yeah (laughs) and the whole movie is what like just think about the conventions that are actually at play in the film and its structure it is you are um tight-knit isolated characters stuck in their home which is a classic thing beset by an unknown beast that is picking them off one by one and there seemed to be some kind of, you know, instead of we got to stalk it and kill it, it's we got to stalk it and film it, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. But it's it's very similar to other monster movies. It's similar to even Jaws in that sense. Mm. <laughs> right? yeah. yeah, yeah, down to yeah, Michael Wincott. Michael Wincott being the Quint character. Exactly. And so the thing is, is that I think he's playing with all these things. But the other reason why I say it's horror is that it's the bargain that it makes with the viewer. Ultimately. It, it uses misdirection and surprise and twists, in a sense, to, to, to make the narrative about something that the person didn't, do, uh, didn't think would be. The viewer you know, doesn't think it, they're, they're getting this specific type of movie. But the actual approach and effect of the film, both thematically and like emotionally, is what a horror movie is supposed to do, which is unsettle you, put you in a suspense, build, pay off, scare, like, use scares, use the tools of cinema to play with the emotions, and then the overarching theme about spectacle and exploitation implicates the viewer in the very thing that the film is being very uncomfortably exploring so that you are actually you're implicating it so you by watching this movie are a part of the thing that the film is saying is like that's a problem with humans and it's not just a hollywood thing it's a you know a biblical all-time thing of this this desolation and spectacle yeah yeah the 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 lust of the eyes because basically you know like people ask i've heard and i've read online people be like well why would anyone like risk their life to go get this like footage and like you know like get (laughs) the monster and you're like well like one like you know like there are tons of people who actually do this in real life but then two because we're sitting here watching it yeah consuming it and enjoying this spectacle you going to the movie proves why it's worthwhile getting yes yes yeah Yeah. so good great point about the that implication uh, of the audience like i think by what i meant with sort of the ambition thing was sort of like you know the film opens with a verse from the bible from one of the minor prophets and then we get this like kind of like virtuoso like terrifying sequence with like a chimp um Right, it's all one shot, I believe, um, from the point of view of 
the boy who will turn out to be one of the characters. Um, well, you don't know it's the point of view yeah. from but, the first. But at that point, we right. don't yeah. know. But but it, like it, one, just one thing but, in that scene that I still can't figure out: why does the shoe stand well, let's, on Let's end? come back to that. Yes. Um, but like so it's a bad miracle. So you get this great, you get this great like scene, and then you move on to sort of like the you know the um, get into the filmmaking storyline and the and. Um, I guess this originally first is the death of the the father. Yeah, and then you get Daniel the Kaluuya. But like, let's just say, let's shout out to one of the all time greats, Keith David. Oh yes, Keith David Senior. So Glad he's in it. Yeah. But like, what I mean is like, there's these like individually, it's like you know, like when he had the Bible verse, I was like, oh sweet, like this is like you know, it's just like where's he going with this? And then like you get this scene with like a chimp, and you're like, how does this connect to this UFO movie? I thought I was going to. And then you get this like strange happening stuff along from the sky, and then we get into the the on the film set um, later, and you're like, I'm enjoying all these different pieces, but my problem kind of with the movie is that by the end, I guess beyond sort of the experience of it, like I don't know if they all fit. Like that's hmm. sort of my thing is just sort of like, does this actually come together? And maybe to focus in on that would be a question of like, so the Gordy's home stuff, like the stuff with the chimp. Not only in the past, but then this whole um, mm-hmm. Jupe character who's running this. He set up Jupiter's this like, small ranch, th- yeah. Western ranch theme park. So the you know the child actor has grown up. He's running this theme park that's sort of beside the ranch. Um, it we find out that he's been you know stealing their horses and then essentially using them to bait the monster with the bizarre hope that he would somehow train it to sort of create a sideshow around mm-hmm. this creature. Um, but is this again like is this a tangent? that like is that creates some like great palpable tension in like moments but like does it actually like cohere with the film i I think that does i think that you described like you have a young person a man or a man who as a young person experienced this significant disturbing event uh, surrounding the exploitation of a, a dangerous creature that he that was they thought they could control. Yeah. And later on, he's trying to replicate that with the the monster. I mean, it, it, to me, that is a pretty neat. So, like Gordy, the chimp, is like the alien, the UFO, right? Yeah. Like in the same way that they're they're amazing creatures, and yet you're like, it's maybe not a good idea to put them on display because. You know, you never know when, you know, there's certain animals. I mean, I, I love dogs. I like, I love horses. I love, you know, pets and things like that. But there are certain animals you don't keep as a pet, not because they can't be trained, but because the potential for if they just, you know, go off in one moment is, is too dangerous, right? For that moment of slipping control. I mean, I, even my, I love my dog, but like I, there are moments I, I you know, I'll, I'll sit and open up his mouth and take a look at those one inch like incisors and yeah. be like, if he just decided to like tear my throat out, there's nothing I could do about it. it you know. But like, so I guess my question is just like, you're running this sort of claustrophobic, right? Like like a horror movie. Like, do we need that? It, I, I guess what I mean is, it makes sense in terms of like the exploitation theme. Does it clarify things? But like, does it get in the way this like side plot? Like, do we actually need it in the movie? So here, my my theory on it is that it's uh, the jupe plotline is essentially the like a very elegant arc of like a 32 minute twilight zone episode yeah yeah totally because it's the idea of it's like let's start in the you know the before times he's this young sitcom star some tragic event happens it sets him down a path oh there's this weird thing that happens this thing shows up in the sky he decides hey 
it's actually not, there's an opportunity here. I'm going to make a show of it, a spectacle. It's these aliens that are watching me inside the ship. Oh, wait, it's not a ship. I write one as the grand finale, the giant spectacle. Oh, wait, it's a monster that wants to eat me. Yeah. And, and tragic it, ending. <laughs> Twist. Yeah. Done. Per- perhaps right? if the one place where one could argue that Peel moves into some sort of broader social commentary consistently here is in connecting it to the the whole notion that so Haywood Hollywood horses that they're you know the, the first and only black owned uh, animal trainers in Hollywood yep. or, um, yeah that, that yeah, ties back to the original Edward Moybridge the still of a man on a horse that that was their you know ancestor this Bahaman jockey hey whatever Haywood um, so that it ties the cinematic image and the spectacle of the cinematic image, not only to animals, but to the exploitation of like, uh, you know, minorities and yeah. other yeah. others. Right. Yeah. I think in that sense, even, um, you know, maybe there's some of that also, even with like, you know, Ricky being Korean American. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying yeah. to, but th- that's probably as close as, and as far as I would go. But he's also adopting sort of an iconography. That's not the one he grew up exactly. with, right? He's putting on a show. He's cowboy. putting on a spectacle. He's pretending to be a cowboy. Yeah. He's just a kid actor. Who, Something you know, we'll want to come, come back to when we talk about, uh, compared to Shyamalan and Peele is that we all, we cannot help but compare both these directors back to Spielberg. He's the, the one they constantly are going back to, right? And playing off. I mean, the thing I won't compare him to is, um, Interesting. I don't. I don't think of Hitchcock when I think of Peel. No, no, I agree. No, no, I know, but that's interesting because he is. He is very good at generating suspense, but it's Nolan's more different. Hitchcock, but yeah. Um. No. So just stay, staying on the the Jupe Gordy's yeah. home yes. thing. So I think it has the exploitation element. It's it's the fact like there is an element of this as the idea of you cannot tame the wild animal for spectacle. You cannot tame your God. You cannot tame the world, right? That's like, that's the yes. kind of thing. It, yes. it plays into this yep. hubris, this so idea it's, of So it's more than just a social commentary. It's, it's a, a, a human warning, which I really appreciate. In this. Yeah, it's, it's a biblical almost warning in like the broadest sense of that term, right? Well, the only thing about that, about the biblical thing too, is also, so the book of Nahum uh, is about, it's like... Um, it's talking about sort of like the downfall of Nineveh, which was like the capital of Assyria. So it's also about a, a sort of a curse and then sort of the ruins of like this empire being foretold, which also then like, you know, like that's sort of like this larger sort of social, national, whatever dimension that he's hinting at in this film, but it's not as strong as in his others. Yeah. But sorry, go on. No, no, it's fine. Uh, it's just with... I, I totally agree with that, and it, it's that's the kind of thing with Peel is that he throws so much there, so that there's all these um, evocative aspects that speak to this, that, and the other, and it might not be the main focus of the movie, but people, I think, because of the presence of those kind of things, it can lead people to think that he's maybe the most brilliant filmmaker there. It's like it's, no, he's it's just a little bit making like Kubrick with like people picking up on like oh, in The Shining, it's about there's the a lot of Kubrick the hotel, comparisons with this. Oh, yeah, man. that the hotel is built on the you know. Indian, uh, burial. Indian burial ground and mm. like that's about the you know the genocide and and all those kind of things but that's not like obviously not a main thing but those kind of little hints buried within is what allows people to build a relationship to these films like if you watch you know what is it room uh, 327 right or um build an analytic relationship exactly yes yes yeah so i think there's those aspects there with with peel but like so with gordy you get you get the stuff in the iconography you get the idea of on not taming animals you get the idea of the predator in a situation it doesn't understand reacting in ways you can't predict you get the fact that jupe ricky is under the table watching cannot help he could leave at the point when gordy wanders away he could leave he doesn't 
He stays, and not only does he stay, he watches because it's too damn good a show, right? And that's that's yeah. a big part of it. As he kind of even says, right? Yeah. Like later. Exactly. And it's not just like, oh, he can, you know, get people to pay him 10 grand to stay in his little museum overnight. It's it's like it goes deep something deeper about like he cannot help himself from looking at it, right? Which when the alien yeah. comes, it it has all those elements in there which really play into the themes of the movie and it in in a sense it actually has more of the themes of the movie in that element than in the OJ story and Mm -hmm. i think this is the thing that is making some people uncomfortable about the jupe aspect of the film is that in some ways he's a more compelling um central figure than oj who's an extremely stoic reserved understated man and daniel kalu is a very charismatic actor but he like disappears in this movie but and that's maybe this is a moment to comment on some of the performances i actually think there's a lot the performances are pretty good all of them oh yeah Um, yeah i i was even you know people who I, i i was not familiar with like kiki palmer i think she's very good she plays her, her character well um brandon perea is uh the you know, <laughs> the best buy guy i like him he's great um you know i think and obviously Kelly and steven young are you know among some of our, our sort of rising stars actors who you know been nominated for things and I, but I think I actually think Daniel Kaluuya like is it's almost like he can carry that role because he's got that like intensity about him that draws you in even if he's like you know n- trying to like shun it in a sense like he's yeah. always kind of looking down and, yeah yeah but, well, he's supposed to be like an but, Eastwood character but that right? fit like a... this is why he's the guy though who can do it in the end yeah right it's because he's like he's but he builds this bond then with the horses and stuff too no it's exactly and I'm not this don't mistake me saying um trying to bring out these elements as like a critique of Kaluuya. As yeah, yeah, I, it's, I, yeah. It's not at all. It's, it's, it's the it's way that the that character script, is envisioned. Yeah. And so I, he's a character without charisma. But his only motivation is what he wants to get. Save the ranch. Yeah. So he like, it's Family, really, right? it's really uh, Emerald, the sister who wants the footage for more of the fame side and mm-hmm. all that. Mm-hmm. He's he just really wants just the money like, to keep the horses. Just, she's we'll a performer, right? Like from the yeah, moment no, she arrives yeah. on set, she's like, you know, she's, she's an opposite she's a, of him in a lot of ways. She's got the grind. Sibling she's, opposite. Exactly. And also, I like movies that are about siblings like that are interesting. You don't get that often. Yeah. But again, a connection to science about two siblings. <laughs> Do you guys think, like, so I think you're, I think you guys make a good case in the sense of, like, some of the, uh, how some of the, some of the pieces come together more on sort of, like, a thematic level. But I'm also curious, like, do, like, at the end of the day, for me, partly, I'm just sort of, like, I don't know if I entirely buy this idea of like a uh, a flying saucer that's actually an animal, <laughs> and like part of me kind of just doesn't like like it's kind of like a bad idea like that. There's there's an element of me that's just sort of like when I when I think about it, I'm just like yeah, it's just I don't know if that's like a good idea. Like I I don't know. yeah. Although I like the bait and switch of like a UFO, it's actually an animal. Yes, but so talking about the bait and switch, what did you guys think about the scene in the barn when the lights are going off and like you think the aliens are coming out? <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. No, I actually was into that. It's very like, funny. It's funny, it's funny and, and scary. scary at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're just like, "What is this?" And you like, it's kind of moving funny. And you're like, uh-huh, "Is this a joke?" <laughs> Even the concept of the film kind of though lends itself to like some humor. Like I, I couldn't help like I made the joke to Anton that it should, be, as you mentioned in the keynote, it should be called "Don't Look Up." Um, but also, like I couldn't help but think of the the old Simpsons Halloween when the. Uh, the billboard or the, the advertisements are coming to to life, yeah. And then they get Paul Anka has to come and like sing the little song. Just don't look. And take a tip from Mr. Paul Anka. To stop those monsters, one, two, three. Here's a fresh new way that's trouble free. It's got Paul Anka's guarantee. Guarantee. 
Ouija void in Tennessee. Just don't look. Just don't look. Just don't look. Just don't look. Is that that's like this is like almost like a Simpsons bit. <laughs> Yeah, no, it is. Well, it's, 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 it's like a, a Halloween, Halloween Simpsons bit. So it fits with like also Peel's like kind of like almost sketch comedy kind of. Remember, I don't know. Yeah, like he the, produces I mean, the Twilight Zone. Yeah, and that's what I like about this. I actually I want more movies like level. this. I want more movies that aren't trying to be like a franchise to like yeah. spin off a, a bunch of things or be like really serious. I want more like weird like you know fun entertain. It can be fun and entertainment. It can also take risks and be kind of out there. Can we can we just also like I I kind of agree with you Anton in the sense that so I'm such a UFO head like that I think or UAPs I love UAPs um, he's gonna be starting a new podcast <laughs> no but just like I I love UFO stuff I think it's fascinating it's very it's very provocative um, and so inevitably I am more I'm more enamored of the idea of there's little aliens inside a ship than I am of there's a big animal that looks like a disc that being said. I am extremely impressed by the fact that Jordan Peele can walk into the Universal boardroom and talk to their <laughs> studio guys and be like, you're going to give me $100 million to make a movie called Nope about a UFO animal that terrorizes a bunch of black cowboys. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah, like, no, what is cr- this concept? <laughs> he, d- he definitely deserves credit. And like, so you original. have to appreciate the weirdness, right? Like, It's original. Mm-hmm. It's it, But it's original in a way like a Tarantino or something is where it's drawn on so much. Yeah. But it's still very original. I, th- I think it's just partly some, like, it's partly just the conceptualization that, like, you you didn't have to, like, make it look so much like a flying saucer. Like, perfect. Per- <laughs> like a perfect flying saucer. That's kind of hilarious, though. But, like, that's... because It's because... But I actually think it's that joke. this is... It's a joke. It, exactly. This is some of his humor stuff, where it's like, that overrides, like, the other aspects. He's a comedian, and a comedian and a horror filmmaker are very similar. Yeah, yeah. They're playing the audience. They are manipulating us. They are exploiting base emotions but like once you get past that the actual conceptualization of the creature is interesting mm-hmm. yeah that a flying saucer could be or like once you sort of like okay fine the flying saucer is an alien or uh, or a monster or interdimensional whatever like it's a creature a living creature not an object that's flying then it gets more interesting in like the way like we early on get shots of like the interior but the interior almost looks like it's um like an object like a like a vehicle it, it, that's the opening credits yeah the opening credits inside it and the way but then also the way it like it, it ejects all the like right the uh the but non- you, unit kind of looks like it kind of looks like um it's i i can't confirm this because i haven't read every interview with him but it looks like in a 1980s or 1990s um, movie or show when they would do a shot from inside the tube television looking out. It's, it's the hmm. idea of you're following the wires through to the, where the viewfinder. Oh. And because it's it's the center of the alien's a frame. That's true. Cause, and <laughs> that's why the looking aspect. Yeah. But it's also it's like, the idea there's of, also, I got you in the frame. There is though, a bit look. of like a stomach uh, aspect yeah. to it. Reminds yeah. me of like when people are like trapped in like membranes and like that kind of pinkish. Sarlacc? Yeah. <laughs> Or like yeah, uh, then, that terrifying old uh, movie, uh, Fire in the Sky. But yeah, I mean, the idea that like sort of a creature that just sort of like scoops up whole people, there is yeah. something like sort of it's like, like an ancient, like, you know, like yeah. you think of like, you, you know, you think of, um, you know, in the belly of the whale, like Jonah. things like yeah. that. Like there exactly. is just something like sort of fairy tale outlandish about it. But also like just in the opening credits, you didn't, it didn't seem 
uh fleshy no no, no that's you what thought it was mean. a machine it's like you thought it was a machine you thought it was a machine and you're like okay this will be re- okay that was another piece right and then the coins dropping like he's he's excellent at like putting out a whole bunch of like things we as the audience by now because of this like emergent like yeah. peel brand where we're like okay these are clues how are we going to fit them together but just think about the symbolism and stuff he works too right because it, it, it's a mouth but it's also the, by being a ufo it's, it's an, an eye and it's an aperture of a camera yeah it's an aperture of a camera like <laughs> and it unfold you know when it finally unfurls it's like oh that little thing that comes out is like specifically the lens pointing at something <laughs> it's just the movie is very reflexive in a lot of yeah. ways but this is what leads to the thing of being like is is it too does much? it all make sense or is it like he just throwing everything at the wall and be like they're gonna yeah. buy you know th- I, i'm giving you so much to play with that like you're gonna be like this is brilliant it's in a cloud I mean, maybe this is a good transition point, the whole question of, like, does it make sense? And is this sort of, like, a perennial (laughs) problem that, like, these filmmakers who want to sort of go out there and do, like, just tell these sort of, like, you know, um, Twilight Zone-type stories will always sort of face is, like, if you want to be, like, weird or if you want to sort of, like, push your story in in that direction, like, you risk the fact of, like, does it actually sort of come together in that Mm -hmm. conventionally satisfying way? Totally. Nope is still playing in theaters, and we'd recommend you catch it if you can. Some animals around the county have been acting funny. Some of them violent. It's almost like they act when they smell a predator around. Amon, Nairobi, Bangalore, and Jerusalem as the latest... Same shows on every station. Every station? It is the 18th reported crop site in that country in the last 72 hours. I'm a little scared. All this stuff on TV. Joe Gills was in here talking about the end of the world. They're staying in the shadows. It's called probing to make sure things are all clear. Clear for what? For the rest of them. There's a monster outside my room. Can I have a glass of water? Signs was M. Night Shyamalan's hinge movie. The movie that marked the beginning of the shift in attitudes to his work. Or as some might less generously put it, the movie where he started to lose his touch. To be more precise, the last 10 minutes of Signs are where many say he loses control. From those last 10 minutes, when the film doesn't so much have a twist as bring together the full significance of all these different coincidences, or small miracles, take your pick, half the audience left him. His breakout film, technically his third feature, but often misremembered as his debut, was the mammoth hit The Sixth Sense in 1999 that brilliant revitalization of the ghost movie. His second big film, fourth in his filmography, Unbreakable, while less of a box office hit, still had a a widely praised knockout twist. It was considered superior by many contrarian admirers. My Shyamalan Hinge movie was The Village, which did not satisfy me at the time after I built up such huge expectations going into it. I've seen and defended much of his work since then, particularly the two sequels to Unbreakable, Split and Glass, 
But I've never thought of him as the new master since the village. For about half the people I know, it was the last few minutes of signs that did it for them. They could, just couldn't buy it. But here's a question to help us dig into the effectiveness and themes of Shyamalan's fifth feature film. Is the provocation and silliness of the ending part of the point? Shyamalan seems to want to not make it easy to buy the miracle he's selling. If it would be that easy to accept, it wouldn't confirm the underpinning themes. The movie's central message is contained in the key scene where Mel Gibson's Graham Hess talks to his brother Merrill, played by Joaquin Phoenix, late at night. After Graham's hypothesis about human nature, seeing there are people who see signs and others who just see luck, Merrill confirms his belief in miracles with the most silly story about his belief that he was just meant to turn away from a girl at a party at the right moment so that she wouldn't puke into his mouth when he leaned in to kiss her. Graham retorts with a harrowing account of neurons misfiring in his wife's dying brain. This viewing, I was struck by how this portrayal directly engages the view of a grim, harsh reality that so often undergirds a strict materialist view of life. There's that sense that like a harshness provides the weight to a rejection of transcendent meaning. Life is harsh, it's not full of coincidences that are in fact miraculous. But then at the end of the movie, Shyamalan has a silly miracle. Is he challenging us, stretching out the limits of what we'll accept as a miracle or a series of possible coincidences? So Anders, you put out your reappraisal on the website last week. You noted that the film has more of an emotional payoff than a logical coherence. So I'm curious, what do you think about that ending of Signs 20 years out? The funny thing is, I probably don't think Signs is as good as the first time I watched it 20 years ago. I was really caught up in the theater. I was like, oh, this is just amazing, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I really want to defend the film. I think it really works. I think it's, it's a very good film. But I think if you think about it too much, you're like, this doesn't really make sense. That's not even really how like most miracles purportedly work, right? It's like, mm -hmm. why would aliens who are you know easily defeated by water come to a planet that's 70% water? That's maybe too much for some people. But I think that's still pushing it too much. It's like, it, the idea is that at the darkest moment, that the deliverance comes, right? And and however that deliverance is, is granted, yeah. that's the miracle, right? And for me, that works. I think, you know, I, me saying that it has more of an emotional payoff than a logical coherence, it's interesting to compare it to the movie we were just talking about, Nope, because the other thing I would say, there's a lot of comparisons we could make between the two films. You know, we've already mentioned a, a number of them. But I think the one, one area where Peel, where I'll go back to our initial contention that Peel is the new Shyamalan. I don't know if that's exactly true. Both of them, I think, play off Spielberg. I think both of them, uh, you know, are these sort of Twilight Zone, uh, especially in those first four big hits of Shyamalan's, right? Yeah. For me, I'll just say that the film that wasn't too much wasn't The Village. I, I actually look forward to revisiting The Village. There's things I really like about that movie. It's Lady in the Water for me was where it was like, nah, that's too much. But, um, Shyamalan, so Peel, we said he's also interesting in comedy. Yeah. And there's, and horror, and there's, but there's kind of a like, to, to engage with horror and comedy, you kind of have to be like, or not, you don't have to be, but you, there's a way you might want to um, be a little bit like dark or a little bit like uh, cynical almost even, right? There's a, a sort of idea that the world is harsh and we can either laugh at it or we can like just allow, you know, wallow in the darkness. Shyamalan is an optimist. There's, it's actually this movie is a very earnest film. It, it, there's, you know, there's some funny lines and stuff like that, but it's not a funny movie in the sense that it's you're meant to take it seriously. Yeah. Maybe and maybe that's why, despite 
whatever one thinks of like the coincidences and stuff like that, I think it's that some people, they don't like that earnestness. They don't, they're like, it's too much for them. You know, like some of the best scenes in the movie are requiring you to engage with, you know, a whole, the grief of a man losing his wife and, and his loss of faith. And if that's not something that you're like, I didn't sign up to come to a, you know, summer blockbuster to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. So you might, you might be like, nope. <laughs> right. I don't know. Does that make sense at all? Yeah. Yeah. Like people break down into two groups when they experience something lucky. Group number one sees it as more than luck, more than coincidence. They see it as a sign. Evidence that there is someone up there watching out for them. Group number two sees it as just pure luck. Happy turn of chance. I'm sure the people in group number two are looking at those 14 lights in a very suspicious way. For them, this situation is a 50-50. Could be bad. Could be good. But deep down, they feel that whatever happens, they're on their own. And that fills them with fear. Yeah, there are those people. But there's a whole lot of people in the group number one. They see those 14 lights. They're looking at a miracle. And deep down, they feel that whatever's going to happen, there'll be someone there to help them. And that fills them with hope. See, what you have to ask yourself is what kind of person are you? Are you the kind that sees signs, sees miracles? Or do you believe that people just get lucky? Or look at the question this way. Is it possible that there are no coincidences? Aaron, like, so where, where do you where do you stand, Aaron? So I think that it's interesting, Anders, and I, I, I know what you're saying there because I... So I, I'm the one who constantly says on like Twitter and stuff that Jordan Peele's the new Shyamalan. And I mean it not so much in the sense that they are the exact same type of Mm -hmm. um filmmaker in in like their genres or their themes i think they're actually very different like i do think peel has a more flippant and um kind of critical approach to entertainment than Shyamalan, who's very earnest and wants you to be caught up in the the earnest spectacle of things while peel uses spectacle perhaps as a as a tool to you know do other things with but the thing is that both of them are are it's just they both have such a similar trajectory in the sense of like the, the smash movie that puts them on the yep. map and that gets yep. all the Oscar noms, the follow-up that makes a crap load of money, but it has like a really weird ending um, and has like big stars giving kind of bold performances. And then the third one is this like batshit sci-fi movie, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And it's the idea of like, I, I can't think of a single other director since Shyamalan who the idea is like, it's a Peel movie. Yeah. And that's all, it, it, it says absolutely nothing about genre but it says everything about the way he's going to approach entertaining you yeah. and the originality of what you're getting on the screen oh, and totally. the confidence of with which he delivers that vision, even if the idea might be stupid, <laughs> like this, you know, the same, the same confidence that allows Shyamalan to be like the cups of water of the little girl defeat the aliens is the same thing that makes Peel be like, 
it's a big monster that eats them. <laughs> like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, I'm going to, bl- it's an unblinking eye. It's like, I'll stare you down. My idea is yeah. better than yours. And it's like, okay, well, if you're going to deliver it with that amount of um, cinematog- cinematic craft, I'm going to buy it <laughs> because these guys are also really, really. Exactly. Um, they're really skilled showmen. Both like, yeah. extreme showmen. Both these films, having watched them the same week, it was like, they're both like really well-made movies. I, I would I would hesitate from calling either film like a masterpiece, but I I really like both. Of them. But before before I let you jump in, Anton, just quickly, I just in the general sense of science, I think the ending is very moving and great. I love how much it forces you out on an edge, on a ledge to like, it's it's really like a leap of faith. Yeah, and that it fits so well with the actual message the movie's making, but also the idea of like, do you want to be a person who sees the world one way or the other? And it, it's it you know it can be a cliche thing, but it also you hear some of these stories of people that either the way they meet their their spouse or the the story of their child coming into the world or something. And the amount of convolutions, you know, it's it's extremely uh, Dickensian. I just finished reading Oliver Twist, and it's like there is something very meaningful about illuminating these things. And, you know, there may be more heightened than they are in real life, but there is an aspect of, like, a perfect chaos that is is present in like that kind of graceful view of reality that Shyamalan shares and Dickens shares and Spielberg and these others kind of share. And so the ending of Signs I find is like, yeah, that's kind of dumb on a logical level, but I also find it kind of beautiful. <laughs> and I I actually, I love Signs. Like it's, it's, I think it's my favorite Shyamalan movie. Really? So but what do you guys think about like, I remember after rewatching it, my wife was sort of like, her view was sort of like, she's like, oh, that's like, that's such like a tight, like movie that's such a good movie but she's like i still don't know if i like like the (laughs) the water killing the aliens and what i'm left with is just the question of like it's just like it's so easy to be like that's sort of like a dumb thing but my question is just sort of like is that like you know like is that sort of the point because what i mean is this is a movie that's so thought out on each shot it's not like he's just like made a mistake and it was sort of silly that he chose that no no he actually wants it to be like so almost preposterous that it would work that way and i actually think that like it, it's actually getting into like some of those um questions of, like how you view life and stuff where mm-hmm. it's like it's true like if 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 you're rubbed the wrong way when someone's like oh like all these coincidences like it was like oh this has like a great meaning in my life and you're like that's just stupid that's not how life works you yeah you'll probably watch the movie and be like that is stupid and like he he is sort of like there is a provocativeness to how yeah um silly that the ending could be seen i think something i think you said anton was that it's like the foolishness of faith like in a sense yes, like yes it, it doesn't make sense if you think you're smarter than everybody else then you're you just won't see it you're just well, like but it's, yeah. it's the idea that the real faith always requires you walking off the ledge or it's not actually faith you, you you've worked yourself into some kind of intellectual possibility of it or theorizing or intellectualizing but you don't actually it's not real faith until you're you know indiana jones taking the step off the ledge in last crusade and and it comes back to right like it means the title of the film signs and the whole question is like when these sort of strange things happen how do you how do you read them Mm -hmm. what's the is there a meaning behind them is there a greater meaning that connects these different things and the whole thing about signs that i find fascinating and rewatching, i was like oh because i I had watched, I think, probably some Hitchcock, but not a lot, like, back in 2002. I was like, this movie's The Birds, in terms of the narrative <laughs> structure. I was like, they literally board up their house at the end, and then people, 
the invaders come in through the top and like that's true work their way down and they're hiding out in the house it's also the other reason like we compare it to the birds hugely is that both these films are um trading in aspects of the disaster movie that took its height in like the 70s and then also in the 90s but then they they turn inward Mm -hmm. into an isolated setting in the midst of the disaster and like one of the most notable things about signs is that it's like there is this global thing going on right but we don't see the aliens are coming around the world but literally it focuses on one family and then even within the family it's like the father's kind of like inward life and that's that's like the meaning of these external signs so aliens are invading the planet and the significance we're meant to read out of this is like the effect it might have on Graham's on faith. Graham Hess's one faith. One man. And you're one like, man. in one man's faith. And my question was like, that's where me, some people like, might yeah, reject it. Oh, yeah. Th- some people will that's, definitely that's reject that. But to that's say that actually it's like. egocentric to assume that the whole world <laughs> is going to like undergo this thing so that you can regain your faith. No, but remember, him under him cracking it, him regaining his faith is the thing that allows him to yeah. save his family. But right. I, I'm not. I'm just saying that that's why some people will but, take that yeah. thing. But I also think there's like, it's the in, but it, it, there's it, it's aesthetic. like a, sometimes these things are also just like aesthetic issues of like taste and what fits for you. So like what works like it's like similar to say Anton like for you say like the appearance of like the UFO in yeah uh, like yes. nope just doesn't work for you. It's like that's fair, but it's like it's a bold choice. Yeah. To say that, like, this, this you know, where it, maybe it transcends what what your assumptions would that would be. And I think Shyamalan does something similar in being like, it's like, you might just not be on that aesthetic wavelength yeah. with him, yeah. but it's a totally legitimate choice. And it's a very, the other thing is, like, people can reject that whole reading of science as, like, this is actually all centered on this individual and things like that. But, like, we always want to have things, like, be one way or the other. Maybe I'm just going to get too philosophical here. But, yeah. like, it's not an either-or, right? No. Like, in the midst of great tragedy, in the midst of a war, someone might uh, rediscover something and might have some meaning. That doesn't mean that the war happened so that person could do that, right? At the same time, it doesn't invalidate that experience or that uh, the truth of what they experienced. Yeah. But it, but in some sense, what, what signs does that I think is off-putting is that it does push, or off-point to some people, is that it pushes that whole question of, like, on the human understanding of things, are these almost, like, we can't actually suss out what's, like, mm-hmm. the more important and, like, what is actually sort of, like, the higher level of meaning. Yeah, mm-hmm. perhaps I will just be blunt and say that some people don't like science because it's a little too religious. Oh, yeah. It literally ends with them re-putting this frock back on. Yeah, like <laughs> Putting his collar on, yeah. Collar, yeah. It, yeah, it is a bit of like a, right? It's a, like, right? He's also like this country priest. It's interesting, though. Yeah, he's, he's a, you know, <laughs> I, I'm glad Mel, this Mel okay playing Episcopalian. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's one of those, it's one of those um, interesting examples of a, like, you know, in some sense, a very Christian movie made by a non-Christian. Is he non-Christian? He's Hindu. That's the whole thing that Praying with Anger is about. Oh, okay. I've he, never seen he's, it. He's a Hindu boy who goes to a, a Catholic school, and the nuns make him pray. And, like, <laughs> it's the idea of balancing across, like, cultural lines and finding meaning in it and stuff. Interesting. Anton, you, you mentioned twice that he made two... I've never seen his first two films. I 
I've seen the uh, I've seen his second one. I haven't seen not praying with anger. Wide awake. I've seen wide awake, but that also is about a boy in like a, I think he's in like no praying with anger is the first one about a he's like about an immigrant and it's, yeah, it's, yeah I think it's he plays Shyamalan. I think he plays the main character. The other thing about Signs that I think is absolutely brilliant is that this is the ultimate movie for not revealing the monster. Oh yeah. No one has ever pushed it as far as he did. He he literally pushes it to the last handful of minutes in the movie where you get like the direct reflection view. though. Mostly but even but even TV. in that sequence, most of it's in the reflection in the TV. We get a couple direct shots and they're very fast. Mm-hmm. Like when we talk about that whole like you know the convention sort of established by you know Spielberg and Jaws the like the idea of like hiding the monster generates more suspense. On some level, signs is like. What if we did like an alien invasion, but we took this sort of like Jaws logic and pushed it as far as we possibly could, where we're gonna keep like not seeing the green men invading. And that's and partly though why those two scenes, like I mentioned in my review, the the cornfield, the glimpse of the foot, and the uh, and like rewatching the chilling, scene when uh, Joaquin's watching it on the TV, like it is all about Joaquin Phoenix's His response. reaction is amazing. It's so good because I'm like. Pause it and rewatch. He like stands like, it's up and grabs his scary, mouth, and, but it <sighs> terrified me. Like I remember re- watching it multi- a second or third time uh, by myself. It's like I would say it's one of like those it, of the early two thousands of my university era. It would probably be like up there among like top three or four scariest moments, along with like the Winkies Man. Oh, the Winkies Man! Oh man, don't even talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> the Winkies Man, because it's you know it's going drive. Oh my goodness! It's one of the scariest movies, moments in a movie ever. But no, but I, I love that kind of th- thought, Anton, because the this is the th- so again comparing comparing signs and nope. They're both like wonderful spectacles. The actual moments of spectacle in both of them is great. Like I I love the whole climax of nope of them trying to get the shot, and I love the idea of the setup and the the inflatable car dealership dudes that. Have oh the, man, like, I love those guys. I love those, inflatable oh, man. Like my kids so love cool. them whenever we drive by on the road. <laughs> they're hilarious, but I love. It's clever. The idea of like it has the electricity in it, so it will fall and it can tell mm-hmm. you where it is because it's electromagnetic field. It's got a great setup and payoff. Signs is like that too it's got these amazing set pieces it's got them running outside it's got the cornfield it's got the invasion of the actual house it's got him going to visit Shyamalan's house and it's in the, the pantry and Ray, he walks it's back so, it's oh. so good no and it's the but shot it's such a brilliant it's the shot moment. on the ground and oh, then with the, mid- so res- the, the fact that the it night. has him go out like that that to me is just master suspense where you're like he's gonna look he's gonna look no I'm walking away I'm not walking away no, I, can't you know, I gotta go here. check also, the way that Ray, like, Ray, like Shyamalan, people could complain about his acting and put him in, but he's like, oh, by the way, Father, don't don't go look in the, the pantry. I've locked one of them in there. You're like, what? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, it's like, this is where we've come to? So, no, but so, like, I think both movies are, like, you can tell these are, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say Shyamalan and, and Peel are, like, master filmmakers, but they're both, they both know how to pull strings very masterfully. Like, they're much better than almost any of their contemporaries in mm-hmm. playing an audience in, in terms of suspense. The thing where I will say Signs is a better movie than Nope is because there is n- no element of Signs that does not feed the hole. Like, there's not a single scene in that movie that doesn't either it's say something so about the tight. character it's or not very long score. well nope it's like it's hour nope. 45 i like i enjoyed i enjoyed nope but it's like there's two hours and 10 minutes and and what exactly does the stuff about early hollywood have to do or that or the cinematographer character like how how is this exactly it's just play cool. into the idea of exploitation yeah. it's it's fun but i'm like 
There's elements that are almost self-indulgent. I don't think there's anything in Steins. It's There's like no fat on the bone. And the other thing is going back to your initial comment, Anton, like bringing it up from Anders' review of Signs being an emotional movie. Like, I don't think it's just like an emotional movie. It's, it's actually like devastating at moments. Mel Gibson's performance of the scene in which he is talking to Colleen for the last time is truly one of the most like heartbreaking things I can think of in a movie of like, I, I can't actually think of a scene in a movie of the this is the final time you're speaking to your spouse that is like better performed the way he delivers the line to the sheriff's deputy his like friend who also plays into the main plot of the movie is like and where he's like Caroline this is the last time I'm going to talk with my wife yes it is and the way he says that, it's so understated in the pauses he does around it. It's like really, really hard to watch that without you get the lump in your throat. And the fact that a movie that like scares the shit out of me still, like I wa- watching it the other night by myself, the lights off. And I'm like, I know everything that happened. I've watched this movie several <laughs> times. It still scares me. Even I don't even know if it's really a horror movie. It's just so suspenseful. It's like gets me on edge. And But the fact that it's also able to like put this extremely human moments in the film, it, it's very touching. Mm-hmm. And I, what I love also about Signs is that he, like, I love how it assembles together these, like, scenes that, like, are kind of, like, they feel like they're, like, archetypal scenes in movies that you're, like, I actually can't think of, like, you know, like, what would be, like, the cornfield scene before it. But you're, like, it's just, like, you're, like, it's so fitting that he's just, like, okay, we're gonna have, like, this amazing sequence in a cornfield. Well, it's Field of Dreams, but... But, like, where you feel that there's, like, the aliens out there. Like, it's just sort of, like, the kind of thing that's been in your mind, like, as a kid for, like, forever. Yeah. And then he, like, someone finally put it in the movie and made, like, that, like, perfect scene of it. And you're, like, that's that's what sort of makes this, for me, like, I... Like a movie I, I really love. Which is your favorite Shyamalan? Like for both of you, I can't I can't say because the 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 big three like Sixth Sense. Um, Are those your three favorite? Unbreakable. Though, yeah, Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, and um, I probably signs, like the but signs. Are, signs are Sixth Sense for me. Actually, like Signs I only revisited right this year, and I hadn't purposely watched it in like well <laughs> over a decade. It's mm. too scary. I rewatched um, Sixth Sense a few years ago. I, both it and signs I love. I famously had only seen it once. Yeah, you wrote the review. Like yeah. Seven years ago. It was very interesting watching because I don't think it's a horror movie. See, but. one of the cool things about um, Shyamalan for me too, though, was he's one of those directors that in the late 90s and early 2000s when I was really getting into movies in high school and university, I got to see all his movies in theater the first time, right? So like, I saw Sixth Sense in theater without knowing what it was going to be about. Yeah. I saw Unbreakable as the follow-up just because I loved Sixth Sense. And then, of course, we all, I think, all went to see uh, Signs that summer in 2002 together. This is one of the great things about Peel, though, right now, is that, like, I love when there's that excitement about people being, like, like, even more so almost than the movie. It's, like, seeing, like, say, like, the trailer of Nope in the theater, and people are being, yeah. like, as soon as it's, like, Jordan Peel, everyone's, like, ooh. Yeah, you get, the like, the from like, That's, down. like, that was, like, Shyamalan in the so, early 2000s. Where exactly. It's, like, Shyamalan. And you're, like, what? His new so film? So some of my everyone's students, just, like, 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 energized. I, I I taught Get Out in a class uh, a couple, two years ago, and no, last summer. And um, also, like, a lot of my students, like, it's just exciting to see them who get really into a director when they're, like, you know, 18, 19 yeah. university. Mm-hmm. It's great. And, like, this is great. For them, they're having that experience that, that I, you know, kind of had with Shyamalan of, like, yeah, this guy's going to be great, you know. So I hope that Peel, like, doesn't disappoint them with, like, a lady in the water or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Anton's gonna have his uh, reevaluation of later. No, I'll rewatch it. I'll rewatch it. 
I, I actually think I, I think the village that, is like, better than you think, but no. Well, so like I have to clarify. So like that's my thing is that like um, with the village, that's my reaction like in chronological time. Like, yeah, yeah. So it's like I I loved Signs when it came out. Same. I was sort of defending the ending against other people. I was so pumped for the village, and I was like, "This is gonna be amazing!" And like halfway through the movie, I was like, "What? This wasn't like what I thought it was." And like I left, like I was actually sort of like disappointed um, with it. But like, yeah, I don't think I liked it as much. I rewatched it after I've rewatched it after some distance. It's still like over a decade ago, and I want to rewatch it again. But I liked it better the second time, and I actually think it's one of those movies where it's like. It might, it might be that, like, this sort of Twilight Zone movie we're talking about, where it's, like, the idea of the movie is maybe better than, like, the actual movie. Or you have to get over your preconception of what the movie actually is about. People have a weird relationship to disbelief, especially with anything that is in the orbit of horror. And, like, I've written about this lots on the sites in our Octobers, and, and you know, found footage is the king of all this kind of stuff, where, like, people just refuse to engage with the movie on its own terms and it's like just be honest you've stopped engaging because you're too scared like that that's that's the answer because your body does not want to be scared and you like react to defense that way yeah so with with peel and with with Shyamalan and like peel I think even more because he's more directly playing with horror iconography like some of the things in the movie is just the gamb it's like you're always pushing up against that gambit of like how far is too far in that genre and it's kind of similar with comedy it's like how far do you push a joke and the best way i think to approach it is like it really has to be like did it have its effect on you not does it make sense because like almost nothing will ever hold up under that level if you're actually going to like put everything to the kind of structural logical you know and again it's it's it coming back to the very very early in this episode where you know why why are they trying to take a sh- photo of it it's like it's on the news there was stuff about people like dying live streaming and stuff like people do such stupid stuff in their daily lives and you life should never is ever full of ever really weird coincidences no but it's like and that shouldn't mean um filmmakers should be lazy or anything right like they no. should yeah. they should want to be rigorous to it it's just the idea of like some things you just will not believe <laughs> like that's that's on you the really. whole truth is stranger than fiction thing right but when fiction yeah. actually delves into the bizarreness of the world people are sometimes they have a block and they're like no that mm-hmm. can't be swing away Meryl Meryl swing away Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Goodbye, Mr. Baldwin. I bid you farewell. <laughs>